What we're going to, what I would like to do is discuss uh, for the next few weeks Yaakov Avinu. And the first topic that I would like to uh, uh, look into is the relationship between Yitzchak and Yaakov. Yitzchak is the father and Yaakov is the son. I'd like to look into that relationship. In order to do that, I remind you of this second Pesach. You see the second Pesach on the sheet? Uh, the second part says, We're talking about Esav and Yaakov, right? Twins were born to Rivka and They grew up. They got bigger. He knew how to hunt. He knew how to hunt, which in... Uh, most uh, Jewish homes would not be considered a great advantage. Isha Sadeh, he was a man of the field. He was a man out in the field. Ishtam, Yoshev Ohalim. So, Yoshev Ohalim, I don't know what exactly that means, but I guess it's the opposite of Ish Sadeh. You know, there's the guy who walks around with boots and like gets into mud all the time. And there's the other guy who sits home. So Esau was out there and Yaakov stayed home. Now the most amazing pasuk in the book of Bereshit is about to come up. And Yitzchak liked or loved Esau. Why did Yitzchak like Esav? Ki tzayid b'fiv. Tzayid b'fiv. I don't know what that means. Tzayid means hunter. And b'fiv means his mouth. So we don't know whose mouth and what was in the mouth. Uh, but you could imagine that it means something like Esav would supply Yitzchak with hamburgers. And Yitzchak liked hamburgers. Who else was there who could bring him those hamburgers fresh from the field? Only Esau. So because he got hamburgers, he loved uh, Yitzchak. Of course, this interpretation is not, uh, um, you know, we're not uh, flying with the eagles on that interpretation. So we'll look at Rashi and see how Rashi changes the psukim around for us to something a little bit more acceptable. So Rashi says, Listen to the Rashi. You have it there. Look at the Rashi. Kolzman shayu k'tanim lo hayu nikarim v'maaseihen ve'ein adam medaktek v'hem Mativam. What is, what is Rashi? What is Rashi referring to? The fact that the pasuk says Vayigdelu Arim, and they got big, bigger, or they were big, became uh, majors instead of minors, because when they were kids. Now Rashi adds this. He says when they were young, you couldn't tell who was good and who was not good. They were they were kids. You know, kids run around and they beat up on each other. But we don't say that because they beat up on each other, there's something wrong with the, the winner of the fight. Or the, you know, it's just something that is part of being a child. 
So Vayigdalu Hagarim, according to Rashi, means they got out of the state of childhood. And now they're in the state where it really matters what a person does. So now if a person beats up on somebody else, he's a bad person. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Okay, we know Shloshesre is a, a milestone for young men. Shloshesre, Kevin Shinasu B'nei Shloshesre, Shana Ze Piresh Lebate Midrashot, so that's it, that's it. We found out. Everybody knew that Yaakov was a good guy and Esau was a bad guy. That is, everybody except for, except for Yitzchak, the only person in the world who doesn't know which of his sons is the good guy and which is the bad guy. Rashi continues and says, Yodei Atzayid, Yodei Atzayid, he knows how to hunt. Rashi says, Latsud Villaramot et Aviv Bethiv. Well, that's kind of like a pretty big departure. It says Tsayid Bethiv, right? We saw those two words, they didn't fit together. So Rashi said it means something like Tsad Bethiv. He, he hunts with his mouth. Like he has, he's able to do you in with his mouth. So the way Rashi says it is Latsud. So he exchanges the word Tsayid Bethiv for the word Liramot, to fool, to fool his father. Liramot et Aviv Bethiv Visho'alo. How did he do that? Visho'alo. Haba Heyachma Srimitamelach Vetatevet. Right? How do you take Maaser from salt? and from straw. Well, everybody knows that you don't take Maaser from either of them. But Esav um, used these questions to fool his father into thinking that even though he was out in the Sadeh someplace, he really was thinking Torah thoughts all the time. But in any event, in any event, it's hard for us to understand why Yitzchak would prefer Esav, who is asking stupid Torah questions, over Yaakov, who is sitting and learning Torah all the time. I mean, you have to assume that Yaakov was a little more advanced than Esav in Torah. And even though Esav was trying to fool his father into thinking that he was also involved in, in Torah, but that involvement could not have been so great if he asked him stupid questions. Let me say it this way. Yitzchak could be happy that Esau was asking him questions, but there's no doubt that he realized that he was not a superior student and not a great scholar. So why does the Pesach say that Yitzchak loved Esau? What's to love? I mean, it's not, you know, if, if you have this standardized version where Yitzchak was a great and righteous person, and very knowledgeable in the ways of God, which we will speak about momentarily. So why would Yitzchak fall for some sort of a uh, ruse that Esau would have? I can understand Esau fooling Yitzchak into thinking he was better than he really was. That, yes. But how did he fool him to think that he was better than Yaakov? Who's Yoshevo Halim sitting and learning Torah all the time? How did he, how did he do that? 
Rashi says, now, uh, Yaakov Ishtam, you see the last phrase? Yaakov Ishtam Yoshev Ohavim. So here the critical word is Tam, as we will see. Tam, Rashi says, you see Rashi? Eino Baki, Eino Baki Ela, Ela, no, I'm sorry, I skipped something, right? No, here, Ish Sadeh, Ish Sadeh, Kimashma'o, about Esav. Adam Batel, Vitzodeh, Bekashto, Chayot Ba'ofot. So, Rashi, Rashi, you know, like, what did Rashi do his entire life? I mean, he wrote commentaries on, on the books, on the holy books. He wrote commentary on the Talmud, on the Chumash, on the Tanakh. I mean, Rashi was busy. So if you said to Rashi, like, how do you compare the hunter to the person who writes commentaries on the Tanakh? He's going to say, this is what he said, the hunter, uh, he says it means that he spent most of his time out in the field. I mean, when you go to hunt, when you go to hunt, you know, so you go someplace, and you wait for the animals that you're hunting to come by. You don't have to just keep running around in the forest all the time. So most of the time, you're just sitting around and waiting for something to happen. That's called hunting. Right? Maybe you have a, a different vision of hunting from the Discovery Challenge channel. But I think that the people with the cameras run around a lot more than the hunters. Because the hunters can't run as fast as most animals that are hunted. So they have to put themselves in a place where maybe the animal will come by and then they'll get him. So that, that hunting is a very relaxed kind of activity according to Rashi. That's what Isha Sadeh means. He belongs in the field. Kimashma'o Adam Batel. Somebody wastes time. Vitzodeh Bekashto Chayot ve'ofot, that he waits to see an opportunity to shoot an arrow at the chayot and the ofot, the birds and the animals, meaning that he doesn't run after them. The arrow runs after them. And he sits still. He stands still, however it is that you do it. So that's Asaph. According to Rashi, the Pasuk tells us, the Pasuk says, um, Esav was ish yodeh atzayin ish sadeh. It was, the Pesach says, Esav is a batlan. Esav doesn't learn Torah. Esav is a bad guy. How bad, I don't know, but he's certainly not an admirable person according to Rashi. But Yaakov, Yaakov was ishtam and Yosheva ohalim. What does ishtam mean, Rashi? He doesn't know anything about hunting. He doesn't know anything about running around the forest or the field. Ella Kilibo Kentiv. He he had a certain naivete to him. That's what Tam. Tam means the word Tam means perfect. What does it mean when you say that a person is perfect? So Rashi explains it. How Rashi explains it? His mouth and his heart are the same. What do you mean they're the same? It means that they, that, uh, that there's no duplicity to him. But right? he doesn't trick you in any way. He's not tricky. Right? Of course, you know that later on, 
later on, uh, 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 Yaakov, when he went for the brachot, he was a little tricky. But that was because he had Rivka's help on his own. He wouldn't have been able to do it. That's what Rashi would say. Uh, Yaakov himself uh, was not, would not have dressed up like Esau and then told his father that he was Esau because he wasn't able to do that. He didn't have that capacity. So now, Yoshevo Halim, is that what we're up to? You know, Sicha, Kain Piv, Ela Kilibo, Kain Piv, Misha Eino Charif Liramot Karuitam. What do you think about that? Someone who's not sharp, who doesn't have that caustic nature, who's able to fool other people into thinking that they are who they are not, a person who does not have that ability is called Tom. So Rashi explains the word Tom in a negative way. Tom, Pivilibo Shavin. He's honest. He's straightforward. He doesn't try to fool you. So he had the two, the two personalities. Asaph fools his father into thinking that he can learn Torah, and he does learn Torah. And Yaakov is not capable of such an act. Finally, Yoshevo Halim. What is Yoshevo Halim? Rashi says, Elul Oel shall shame, the Oel shall Eva. He says, well, how come the, the plural is used? I mean, how many tents can you sit in? So he said, like even Sheva Eva, they didn't get along. You know, this Rosh Yeshiva, that Rosh Yeshiva, everybody wanted to have his own Yeshiva. So there was a tent for the Yeshiva of Shame and another tent for the Yeshiva of, of Eva. But uh, as a student, uh, Yaakov was, uh, was liberal. He was a liberal student. And so he went to this tent, he went to that tent, and he wanted to learn whatever, whatever he could learn. Yosheva Halim. Then, the next pasuk says, "By Yehav Yitzchak et Esav kitzayid b'fiv." What kitzayid b'fiv means? Rashi, kitagumo b'fiv shel Yitzchak. In other words, the tzayid, the the hunting or the ability to hunt was with his mouth. He had this ability, special ability, where he talked. And what did he say? Umedrasho b'fiv shel Esav. As we have already pointed out, that Esau would say things in order to fool his father, to fool his father Yitzchak. So the mystery that we're left with is, why was Yitzchak fooled? After all, Yitzchak is painted as the one who continues the tradition of Avram Avinu. We know that in Akedat Yitzchak, uh, Yitzchak actually did the ultimate religious act in some ways greater than the act of Avram Avinu because Avram Avinu was commanded by God to sacrifice his son. Yitzchak was not commanded by God. Yitzchak received the information from his father and his father's information was that Yitzchak had to be sacrificed. That Yitzchak said, if that's what my father says, uh, uh, I, I acquiesce. That that is the basis for the existence of the Jewish people. I mean, whatever else I mean, I don't want to be poetic about it. But the Jewish people exist because the sons believe their fathers. That's a, And the first son 
to believe his father and the first son I mean, who actually created this ethos, this, uh, this Jewish ethos, the first son was Yitzchak. So Yitzchak, in some ways, I mean, could be, you could argue that Yitzchak was greater yet than his father. However, there is still a distinction that can be drawn between Yitzchak, the son, and Abraham, the father. And that distinction might be drawn following the word tam a little bit. Because we know that if you look at the first pasuk on the page, it says, Avram was 99 years old. God says to Avram Avinu, And what does Tamim mean, according to Rashi? Rashi says, the middle of the Rashi, We learned this Rashi, by the way. We learned this very Rashi, but I don't want to see the beginning of it. Af zet sivui achar sivui. There are two different commands. That's one command. And heyetamim, that's another command. So what does heyetamim mean? She calls him, uh, 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 right. First is Do what I tell you. You know there were ten nisyonot. Ten tests that Avram Avinu was put through. And so HaKadosh Baruch says, Do the tests. Pass the test. Do well. I wish you well. Ulefi Medrash And the Medrash is, That this is, this parish is talking about the first mitzvah that was received by Avram Avinu, which is the, well, maybe the second mitzvah. But the first mitzvah we ignore. The first mitzvah that Avinu received was go to Eretz Yisrael. Right? So we have managed in modernity to usurp that. Like, we, if you leave, once you leave the, the land of Israel, nobody mentions that. Those, that mitzvah is gone. But the second mitzvah that Avinu had was to, um, was Brit Milah, was circumcision. Now, that's called Tam. What's the difference between the Tam of Yaakov Avinu and the Tam as applied to Avram Avinu? That the Tam of Avram Avinu is physical. It's like God says to Avram Avinu, you ought to be Tamim, you ought to be Tam, you ought to be perfect, fulfilled, Brit Milah. What does the ledger say? The major says, Brit Milah is the perfection of the human body. It's a physical act. So God says, you know, when, when God put people into the world, there was an imperfection about them. There was an imperfection about them. Perfect, to make them perfect, Brit Milah. When it came to Yaakov, Yaakov is Tam. You're saying, well, then, in what way is Yaakov Tam? In what way is he, because he's Yosheva of it? Because he's a spiritual person. Now everybody knows, everybody knows that Avram Avinu 
in spite of the fact that the Rambam explains that he was a great philosopher, a very thoughtful, and he came to this to the recognition that one God only and not a multiplicity of gods who is a very good thinker, we all know that Adam Avinu was a physical, was able in the physical world to accomplish great things. And so when Avram Avinu had to go to war against the kings who took Lot captive, without referring to it, I'm just reminding you. So he did it. He went to war with them. And when he had his disagreement with Avimelech Melech Gerar, it ended in the signing of a peace, a peace treaty. You know peace treaties come when, when, when you are stronger, not when you are weaker. Right? He was able to make peace with Avimelech Melech Gerar and to renew his, uh, his wells because of his, because of his strength. Not because of his, not because he was weak. On the other hand, Yitzchak, Yitzchak was unable to act in the world as Avram Avinu acted. Yitzchak is called by Chazal Olat Mima. Olat Mima because he was over-sacrificed. He gave himself, he gave himself up to, he, he was totally passive. What does that mean? That, that the will of, of uh, Yitzchak was uh, uh, was was did not exist facing the will of Avraham. He acceded to everything that Avraham said. He he didn't discuss it. He didn't ask. He didn't say, "Why would God want you to sacrifice me?" He was not a nutnik about it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like like after um, thirty five hundred years, the Jews have developed this tremendous capacity for nudnikarai. You know, that you think that somebody says something, you have to ask a question. You have to. Otherwise, you're not, you're not alive. And Yitzchak did not ask a question. There's a thing. He didn't ask a thing. It's all, anything that's done is done by Avram Avinu. At the end of the story of Akedat Yitzchak, as you know, Avram Avinu won't, even though the angel came down to Avram Avinu and said, you don't have to do it. Avram Avinu couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And so the angel says to Avram Avinu, don't do a thing to him. Nothing. What was, it? what was the angel talking about? What's the difference between saying, don't sacrifice him, which the angel said, and then the angel said, don't do anything. What do you mean, don't do anything? He's not going to sacrifice him. What's he going to do? They're going to sit there and eat bisli or bumba together. I mean, what's the that to do? So the Rashi says, that Avram Avinu had this idea that if he would take the knife and, and uh, scar his son, that he would be unfit for being a korban. Because we know that that's a halacha, that the, that the, that the korban, that you see in these other psukim that I quoted, the korban also has to be tam, has to be whole, has to be, uh, has to be perfect. So he thought if he would that he could rationalize them. So this is what Rashi said, that Avram Avinu could rationalize not sacrificing his son if he was suddenly not worthy of being a sacrifice. The angel said to him, don't do that either. Don't just not sacrifice your son. Don't even give him a little blemish. Because you know that if on the island, you know, if a korban, if, a, if an animal has a kind of a little uh, uh, blemish on his eyelid, like some kind of a... Uh, a scar, 
he's unfit to be a sacrifice. So Avraham thought he would do the same thing. He said, no, but you see that Avraham is acting. He's acting with God against the angel. He's, he, he's very, uh, very much a, a real uh, a person involved. And Yitzchak, nothing. Yitzchak came at Yitzchak even though he's a great success story because he went with his father and he agreed with him. Nevertheless, he was totally passive. He didn't do anything. And you see in, in, in last week's parasha, in this week's parasha, this week's parasha, told us the same story. You know, that's a different, different thing to talk about. We're not talking about but The same thing happened to Yitzchak and Avraham. Right, he went, uh, there was a famine. Yitzchak I'm talking about now, right? Famine. So what did Yitzchak think he should do? Go to Mitzrayim. Why? Because that's how he made decisions. His father went to the side. He'll go to Mitzrayim. It wasn't like, like a, a well-planned thing. So what did God say to Yitzchak? Don't go to Mitzrayim. Stick around. So where did Yitzchak go? He went in the direction of Plishtim. You know where the Plishtim are? You all know because the Plishtim are in Aza. You've heard of Aza? A lot of bombs are going off in Aza as we sit here and try to learn a little Torah. So the, the, uh, uh, the Plishtim lived on that coast, Ashkelon. Ashkelon, you've heard of Ashkelon, no doubt. It was a, the, the Prime Minister and his cabinet had some kind of meeting in Ashkelon to make everybody feel good. Ashkelon is called by the Babylonians Ashkelonu, and Ashkelonu is a Philistine city. The Philistines said, you know that, the, that since Abraham Avinu made peace with the Philistines, Abraham Avinu now, going back to Pashas. Remember, the same thing happened to Abraham, it happened to Yitzchak, but Abraham then, then had this thing with the king of Gerar, and, and he made peace. They made peace. And so David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, David HaMelech, Shaul HaMelech, David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, the great kings of Israel, were never able to drive out the Philistines. I think it's because they had a peace treaty with Avram Avinu. So that the children of Avram Avinu had to also comply by that peace treaty. And they did. And so now we're up to Yitzchak. Yitzchak went to wanted to leave the country as his father did. Hashem says to Yitzchak, no, don't leave. It's not for you. You're the Olat Tzmimah. You just, uh, you're not the type. You're not going to get along. So the king, Avimelech, somebody took uh, his wife. And, well, you know that story? And then there's a story about wells. That, yeah, that Yitzchak, uh, his wells were stolen from him. And he didn't know what to do. And so Avimelech said, why don't you move? So he moved further east. And eventually he moved to Beersheba. It was, he didn't fight with them. He didn't fight with it. He didn't take a stand. He was not able to do what Avram Avinu was able to do. So I point to these facts that Avram Avinu fought a war for the benefit of his nephew Lot and was able to save Lot from the clutches of the kings. Right? Well, it sounds like a pretty crazy thing to do because Lot was certainly no righteous individual. It was not somebody that you would jeopardize and uh, ordinarily jeopardize your whole community for the benefit of Lot, but Avinu did it and he won that battle. Avinu took Yitzchak and, and was willing to sacrifice him. Avinu fought Avimelech to a standoff and they 
make peace together. All of these things, all of these things were not, were not done by Yitzchak. So I say to you this. Yitzchak looked up and he said, I'm like my father and I'm nothing like my father. I'm like my father that I'm very devoted to God. We're the same. But I'm not like my father in that uh, he was able to do things. He was able to make things happen. I couldn't even go to get my own wife. And we see that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov, his son, was sent to get his own wife. And we'll see about that in a minute. So Yitzchak says, I'm like my father. I'm not like my father. So all of you amateur psychologists can do with that what you will. Right? You know, like everybody has complexes about their parents. So I don't know if it was a complex, but Yitzchak knew very well that he was like his father Avram in certain ways and not like him in other ways. So I would say that the Pasuk, the Pasuk means this. Yaakov Avinu, let's say Yaakov Avinu said at one day, he said, why didn't I have twins? I mean, twins were not unheard of in those days. But I remember, you know, when I went to school, <laughs> I won't tell you exactly when that was, but when I went to school, there were no twins in my class. There were no twins in the class next door. There were no twins in the class above me or the class below me, now today, if you go to any school, there are going to be twins in the class. Right? How come? Because they live. And in the old times, they didn't. There was always this idea that with twins, there was a strong one and a weak one. Right? One, and, and one lived. That, would, that was great. One lived. Whoever expected there'd be twins. So I think that Yitzchak must have asked himself that question. Why have two sons? I mean, one's unnecessary. Didn't Avram Avinu have to send away Yishmael? Didn't he do that? I mean, I have to also do that? I have to choose a son to send away? So I think that what the Pshat in the Pesach is, by Yehav, Yitzchak as Esau. Why did he love Esau? Because he saw it. Not because he thought that Esau was better than Yaakov. He knew that Yaakov was Yaakov. That Yaakov was the inheritor of the spiritual mantle. But, even if you know that Yaakov is the inheritor of the spiritual mantle, you have to decide about Esau. Does Esau have a place? Is he in or is he out? So by Yitzchak is Yitzchak, as Esau means that Yitzchak hoped that Esau would be in. Because he saw in Esau qualities that he saw in his father. His father had that outgoing personality. His father was able to go into the world and do things. And he, Yitzchak, was not able, was not able to do that. So that Yaakov Ishtam Yoshevo Alim, it's Pshito. Of course Yaakov was the man that just like Yitzchak was the son of Abraham. I mean, even though he wasn't equal to Abraham, so too it was clear that Yaakov was the son of Yitzchak. But if you ask yourself the question about what the role of Esau was, after all, Yishmael's mother was not Sarah. 
So you could theoretically, I mean, forget about, I mean, don't forget about, but if we ignore the fact that it wasn't, doesn't look so nice that the Avram Avinu was kind of forced several times to send Yishmael away, we understand, however, that Yishmael is not the inheritor of the spiritual mantle of Avram Avinu because his mother was not Sora. But Esau's mother, Esau's mother, was Rivka. And therefore, therefore he, she should have, uh, he should have inherited that mantle. So this what, that's what I think. I think that Vayav Yitzchak as, as Esau doesn't mean anything about Yaakov. Of course he loved Yaakov. Of course he knew that Yaakov was the inheritor of the spiritual mantle. But what was the role of Esau? And so Yaakov said, He's a man of the earth. He's a man of the world. And Avram Avinu also had that quality. And it made sense, it made sense, I think, to, uh, uh, to Yitzchak that Esau should also be, have a role. Of course, Rivka, Rivka, heaven is Esau. She didn't have any hang-ups of that kind. Her father's name was not Abraham. And she thought that the choice had to be who had the spiritual potential, like who could be the inheritor of the mantle of Yitzchak, and that was Yaakov. But I think that, that, uh, that Yitzchak also, also agreed. Now you know that at the end of the story, at the end of the story in the parasha, Yaakov is told by his parents, Yitzchak and uh, Rivka, that he has to run away from Eretz Yisrael and has to go find a wife over there. Now Yitzchak, who follows the directive of his father Avram, certainly he knew that Avram didn't let him do that. He couldn't, he didn't go to find his own wife. He, they sent Eliezer to find the wife there. So obviously Yitzchak, Yitzchak had come to the conclusion by the end of the story, because after all, he employed duplicity and Sayyid Befiv. Who did the Sayyid Befiv in the story of the Brachot? Yaakov did the Sayyid Befiv. In other words, Yaakov not only said that he was Esau, but he fooled his father. He became Esau. For real. And so sending Yaakov out into the world to find a wife, even though he had some difficulties, was reasonable. Like Yaakov had gotten to the point where he could be Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu. That's why in, in the Sfirot, in, uh, in Kabbalah, Yaakov is, uh, Avram Avinu is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevura, but Yaakov is Tiferes. And Tiferes is Torah. And Tiferes is the amalgamation of all the positive qualities. So that Yaakov was seen by the capitalists as being Avram and Yitzchak mushed together. Another way of saying is that it's, he was the Torah. The Torah is the sum total of all the positive qualities. Now having all said, said all of this, I mean this is what I was thinking about. And I thought it was good, a good idea. But then I... I, I in my head, someplace, this doesn't happen to me so often, it kept saying to me, look in the Meshilach. Like it was like reading away. 
I didn't have a reference. So I looked in the, in the Meshilach, and if you turn the page, we'll see what the Meshilach says. I could have made it take longer, but I spared you. It says, Vayav Yitzchok 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 You see, this is the Meshilach. This is the Meshilach. It's printed on this page. The Meshilach is um, Ishbitz. It's the Hasidut that is known as Ishbitz. There are very few Ishbitz of Hasidim left today, but there's a literature of Ishbitz which is very uh, powerful. Uh, very powerful. The Rebbe was a, a very, very creative, original, different, special, all those kinds of words. And uh, he didn't write the Meshilach. The Meshilach was written by his grandson. Right? There's the Meshilach and the Beit Yaakov and the uh, the Rizhiner. Right? right? The Ritzin. Ritzin. The Ritziner who was a great genius. Because, I mean, uh, there are people alive today who knew him. And he, uh, he was the, the original Chalet uh, Sitzes person. You know, he, all the Hasidim, all the Ritziner Hasidim were Chalet of the Rebbe, of the Ritziner Rebbe, not the Chalet of the, from Ephrat. Not that kind of. It's like a different process. I don't want to tell you who's right. But, uh, what? That's him. His son. Well, it's, they're two different towns. They moved from one place to another. The Rabino was, was the son of the Ishbitzel? No, he was the grandson. The son was the Beit Yaakov. And the grandson is the, is the Rajina. Beit Yaakov what? No, not Gul. No, Beit Yaakov is Ishbit. So this is what he says. What I meant to say was that the Rajiner wrote both books. He wrote the Meshilor and he wrote the Beit Yaakov. Because even though there were notes and there were things written down and people heard these, these talks, they were never actually written as a book. And so it waited a while until it became became. There are still Ishbitz of Hasidim or Zinner Hasidim, B'nai Brak and Yerushalayim, but not many, not many. So in the nature of things, when you, there aren't many of you, you, they're always very nice. They're very nice people, the people who are Hasidim. So look at what it says. He says, Nitparesh Yad Sadet Aviv. And he says, the, the Chazal explained that he would ask these kind of questions. What's, how do you take Maisa from salt? How do you take Maisa from straw? And we saw that, we saw that in the Rashi Bineh. He says, you can't mean what it says. can't be that, that that's the Pshat. He, 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 he's making an assumption. It's assumption in Parshanut, you know, the old Parshanut. In order to explain something, you have to add assumptions. You can't be. Uh... I once, uh, once in, the, in the, one of the sins of my youth 
was that I studied Gez in the Hebrew University. Gez is the classical Ethiopian language. It's not Amharic. If, if you read Gez and understand it, you won't understand Amharic. Because Gez is a, is a Semitic language. And Amharic is a mishmash of all kinds of things. So, so, I'm reading, so there's nothing to read in Gez. Because they forgot about it. So they just had the translation of the Bible. And then they had this story about Malkat Shuvah. You know, Malkat Shuvah went and married Shalom. So they have the story from her point of view, not from the point of view of the Tanakh. So we're reading and reading, and the teacher, you know, so, you know even in universities, teachers sometimes like act a little bit friendly. So she said, How do you like it? I said, uh, this is the most boring thing I ever read in my life. She said, what? How did you say that? Didn't you ever read the Tanakh? <laughs> so I said, I said, I know what you mean, but the Tanakh has very rich a priori interpretations by Chazal, which make it interesting. So she said, what's Chazal? I said, huh? There we go. I knew that, that there was a tikkun here that was necessary someplace, but I... But, but everybody has a priori assumptions about um, which, which color your interpretation. So, of course, if you think Yitzchak's a tzaddik, so that changes everything around. And he says, how can Yitzchak be fooled? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Um, he's... He says, it can't be that Yitzchak just misunderstood everything. That's his a priori presumption. This sort of reminds us of Rashi. He says, if you looked at them when they were children, Yaakov and Esau, then they were both important little children, you know, like children of kings always look good. So they're like, uh, they were important, they were important. Rach, Shedat, Esav, Haya, Riapotet, Atzmo, Lefnei Aviv, Kedeshi, Zachem, Beinav, Uleman, Yitpalel, Avurol, Hashem, Yitbarach, Sheyiten, Chachma, Belibo. The difference with Yaakov and Esav, really to the what what was his desire. His desire was to make himself look good. Even though he did look good. He looked good. Esau looked good and Yaakov looked good. But, but it's a sort of a kind of, you know, he wanted to always preen himself. He wanted to always say, how do I look, Dad? You know, so that's what he did. And he did that by asking these silly questions about Torah. What did, why did he do that? He said, because he wanted to be he wanted to be a scholar. He wanted to be a Torah person. So even though he was studying Torah in his father's house, and even though he was going along the right path, but he wanted to show off a little about it. And he wanted God to help him. And he said, what do you think about that? He says, Yaakov, 
Yaakov. What about Yaakov? So why did Yaakov try to show off for, for, for uh, his father? So Yaakov said, and he said, look, I, I want to learn Torah. I want to learn Torah. If I'm doing the right thing, so Yitzchak will know that I'm doing the right thing. And if Yitzchak knows that I'm doing the right thing, he'll dabble for me. And he'll, he'll ask God to give me more strength. Because I don't have to do anything. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Now this is an interesting idea. This is an interesting idea because today, many, many people feel that you dabble in order to get an edge. You know, an edge is... Like, like you might be doing all the mitzvahs. And you might be do, trying to act very well. And you might be doing whatever you're supposed to do, whatever God tells you to do. And we have a lot of instructions, and you're doing it as well as you can. You say, but I want a mishabelach. Like, I personally don't have a clue of what that means. I don't know what it means. But he says that that was the position of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu said, no, of Yaakov Avinu, you're right, but I'm right also. It was the position of Yaakov Avinu that you don't have to do more than you have to do. You have to do the right thing. That's what you do. You don't play for extra advantage if you're doing the right thing. Whereas Asaph said, no, even if you do the right thing, you have to get extra advantage, to get a leg up. You have to get a leg up. So because he did that, that's why, yeah, that Yaakov, Yitzhak loved Yaakov because he kept asking him to daven for his success. And Yaakov did not ask him to daven for his success. So he says, Dago uh, shall Esau. He didn't want to go uh, the way of Esau. Why not? Ki derech zeh tzarich biru. Ki miyo mar shekavanato ritsuya. Ken hu rak liramaut. Uviyan ki Yaakov avinu. Efrish et atzmo mikol safek. Virak bashem levado. Batach belibo. Vayemet mikol hamakom shadam. So again. He's got to explain why Yaakov didn't do what Esau did. Why didn't Yaakov go and ask his father, ask his father to support, daven for me? Why didn't he do that? So the Meshirot says, look, whenever you ask somebody, ask somebody who's daven for you. Right? I mean, people do that all the time. So what's the implication of that? I mean, if you... If, if you live in a world of truth and you say to somebody, that was for me. So what does somebody have to do? What is somebody, the somebody that I'm talking to, I say, that for me. So what does he have to do? He has to look into the situation. He says, what do you mean that with me? If somebody's a serial killer and he's just drunk the blood of three children, and he comes and he finds somebody in the street and says, Daven for me. That doesn't mean anything. It's only if the person knows who you are and that you're worthy. 
sadness, then you could say them daven for me. So what Esav did was, Esav created a suffix in the mind of Yitzchak. Because Yitzchak didn't know if he should daven for him or not. How is he supposed to know? He could see externally, you see a little bit about how a person is, but if a, a child, you never know. So according to, to the Meshi Loach, according to the Meshi Loach, Yitzchak was fooled. How was he fooled? He was fooled by Esau asking him to daven for him so that he would become a great Talmud But Yaakov Avinu understood that Esau was not doing Yitzchak any great favors. And so he uh, didn't want to get involved in that kind of a conversation because he didn't want to place this obligation on Yitzchak that he would have to clarify somehow the worth of Yaakov as he would have to do with Aesop. That's the position of the of the uh, Meishi Law. So I want to summarize. I just want to tell you the two things. What I thought was that Vayav, Yaakov, as Aesop, Kitsayid, Befiv, that he saw in Aesop those qualities that Avram Avinu had that he, Yitzchak, did not have. And therefore, even though he knew very well that Yaakov was uh, the special son and the one who was carrying on the spiritual legacy from Avram Avinu, he nevertheless thought that Esau would also be included somehow because Esau had those qualities of Avram Avinu that were missing in, uh, in Yaakov. Eventually, that's not what happened. But somehow Yaakov received those qualities. And even though he started out as a Yosheva Ohalim, as a person who just learned Torah, he ended up, or he completed his uh, history as a, as a person who was an activist. Yaakov was a great, so great an activist that in the parish of Ayeshev, that Rashi says, that famous Chazal, Bikesh Lashevet Vishalva, that Yaakov Avinu just wants finally at the end of his days to sit and to be in peace and quiet. Kavats alav Yosef. So the, the, the whole Yosef story, which demanded from Yaakov eventually that he go down to Mitzrayim with his whole family, which is certainly an activist kind of thing to do, um, that took place at the end. So that Yaakov himself incorporated the practical nature of Abraham with the spiritual nature of, of Yitzchak. Uh, the uh, Meishiloach has a slightly different idea. And he says, even though both at the beginning, both Yaakov and Esau were on the right track, Esau wanted to get an edge by asking his father to daven on his behalf. And that created a problem because then Yitzchak would have to determine whether Esau was a truth-sayer and deserved the prayer or not. And Yaakov Avinu felt that if he's doing the right thing, certainly God would protect him and allow HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu and pray for his well... HaKadosh Baruch Hu would tell Yaakov... Yitzchak, I'm sorry. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would tell Yitzchak to pray for Yaakov and to help him in his chosen, in his chosen path. Have a good Shabbat.